up, listeners? Thank you so much for working the Go Along podcast in your rotation. This is Tyler Dunn here for a solo episode. I thought it would be a good idea just to wrap up free agency because we're really down to the one-year deals, the minimum contracts. The first wave of free agency has come and gone. The second wave has pretty much come and gone as well. So we have a really good sense now of the teams that separated themselves this time of year. I think it's worth, you know, noting the winners. It's it's always hard to declare a winner of free agency, but I think the NFL owners, the NFL general managers, front offices, they've all kind of wised up. I mean, you really didn't see a lot of ridiculous decisions, contracts. Usually the first 48 hours of free agency uh, are reserved for Bill Belichick being sprawled out on a beach somewhere and everybody else mocking whoever pays these guys. You go back to Albert Hainsworth's contract with the Washington Redskins all the way through. There's somebody each spring that has just paid an insane amount of money that, you know, a good player who is paid as an extraordinary player who then proceeds to hamstring whatever team they go to financially. That didn't really happen this year. I, I think you saw the absolute polar opposite. A lot of really good players didn't get the money that they expected to. They, in many cases, bet on themselves and lost, which is sad. But, you know, that's kind of the sad reality of it. Specific positions, too. I mean, the running back position was, was stunned to see someone like Jamal Williams, who we know well, obviously, at Go Long. You, you, you caught on our happy hour. Um, rushes for a thousand yards, leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns, helps change everything in Detroit. You know, a team that's been bad for half a century, and he gets three years, twelve million with the Saints. Uh, the tight end market really wasn't what some of these tight ends thought it would be. Dalton Schultz, he really waited over a week to get a big deal, ended up settling for a one-year contract that was modest and. You know, that really was the case across the board. Even the edge rushers, I mean, think about it. You need an edge if you want to win in today's NFL. Why did these edge rushers did not get the contract that they were hoping for either? And there's some good ones out there still. So it was strange. I do think, though, that it, it plays into the hands of contenders that don't want to spend like crazy. Uh, Orlando Brown being the perfect example where Cincinnati, Von Bell, Jesse Bates, there's two starting safeties. These are two players who changed the, the dynamic in Cincinnati. You go back to Joe Burrow's rookie season when he tears his ACL. They lose him for half the year, lose a lot of games, which ends up working for the benefit because they draft Jamar Chase the next year. But it wasn't the tail end of that year that Von Bell absolutely depleted Juju Smith-Schuster after Juju was dancing his ass off at midfield. And that hit, as Von Bell and those teammates detailed in our uh, feature there ahead of the AFC Championship game, you know, meet the villains. Um, that was kind of a big bang moment for the Bengals where, all right, these aren't the sad, sad, depressing, cheap Bengals that you're used to. This is a team that wants to, you know, take names and kick ass. And, and yeah, Joe Burrow changed everything there. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But that defense has been really, really good. And they lose their two starting safeties because you're going to have to pay for Joe Burrow. You're going to have to pay for Jamar Chase. I, I don't think they need to make a run at T. Higgins still. You'd be stupid not to. Um, 
So you're going to lose players. You lose two core players, yet the way the market kind of worked out with teams really not wanting to overspend, Orlando Brown, one of the best tackles in the NFL, just an absolute mountain of alignment, is right there. And you you bring him in on, I'm going to get the exact numbers here, so I'm not misquoting it here. Four years... Four years, $64 million, which for a premium position is a steal. It's, you know, you have an out in 2025. It's on spot track. So really in the short term, it's a two-year, $42 million deal. I mean, when you look at how the Bengals season's ended, the Super Bowl against the Los Angeles Rams, where if you can just hold up Aaron Donald, I get it. Gigantic if. He is an all-time great. But if Quentin Spain, if anybody that's competent blocking Aaron Donald holds him up for another second, Joe Burrow connects with Jamar Chase for a game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl because Jalen Ramsey fell down. That's the difference between Super Bowl winners, Super Bowl losers, and then you go to the next season. What happened on the key third down to get Kansas City the ball back Chris Jones is one-on-one with an offensive lineman and beats him. So it doesn't hurt to get a tackle that will protect Joe Burrow's blind side. And uh, like this move a lot, obviously Jonah Williams now, they were hoping to just kind of move him to right tackle. He's requesting a trade because I don't blame him. I mean, left tackles get paid way more than right tackles and he wants to get paid. So they've got to deal with that. But still, you saw this across the board. I mean, Jordan Poirier, who in their right mind, including Jordan Poyer, thought that he would be back in Buffalo. Nobody, nobody did. He sounded like somebody that didn't enjoy living in Buffalo, um, didn't enjoy playing football, period, last year with all of his injuries, and really wanted a fresh start elsewhere. And Florida made a lot of sense. The Miami Dolphins bringing in Vic Fangio. I think a lot of us expected them to be interested. They, they weren't. And his market really wasn't there as an as an older safety so the bills are able to keep their tandem together jordan poyer and micah high which is huge because now you don't have to worry about replacing one of them i mean and, and finding another safety but i think the team that had to be active in free agency and really any team that is trying to be relevant with a quarterback on that rookie contract they should spend look what cincinnati did two years ago Look at what the Jacksonville Jaguars did last year. You extract Urban Meyer from your building. Boom. All of a sudden, that disease is is gone, which is number one. You bring in a Super Bowl winning coach, Doug Peterson. Relevancy, a resume. He knows what it takes to build a winner. He's done it. And they spent. And, and people were making fun of him. And we wrote it at the time at Go Long. I mean, it's there. That this was smart. I mean, if you have a quarterback you believe in, and why in the hell wouldn't you believe in a Trevor Lawrence after what you saw, everything that he did at Clemson? I get it. The year over year was awful, but you know that this guy can be a transformative quarterback. You've absolutely got to spend that money. you got to go out and get an Evan Ingram, go out and get Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Boye Oluokon, 
led the NFL in tackles, right? We had a feature on him too. He's a versatile athletic tackle machine at linebacker. They went out, they spent, they rallied at the end of the season to win the division. And then they had an epic comeback win over the Los Angeles Chargers. And they gave Kansas City a game too in that divisional round. So Jacksonville's a team that can realistically take a huge jump now in year three of Lawrence. And a big reason why is because they spend money. They didn't care if people laughed. I mean, Christian Kirk was worth every penny of his contract. He was excellent. And this is where you have to give Trent Alke and Doug Peterson credit too. It was like they forecasted this free agency period and saw that there aren't going to be a lot of receivers available. It was a weak class of receivers. I mean, Alan Lazard, Jacoby Myers, Juju Smith-Schuster, these are the guys getting the big deal. Um, so what did Jacksonville do? They they acquired Calvin Ridley. He was suspended because an NFL business obsessed with gambling and telling you to gamble every other commercial commercial with all the Manning brothers. Uh, they, they didn't like the fact that one of the players actually used one of those apps. So he was suspended for the year. This hypocrisy will make your brain bleed. Um, so kudos, <laughs> Jacksonville. I mean, Calvin Ridley, if he's, if he's right, um, you got the absolute best receiver available in the spring, because look at these deals. I mean, Lazard got paid. Good for him. He's a good blocker, good receiver. Um, Aaron Rodgers will enjoy having him as a teammate. Four years, $44 million. Jacoby Myers got three years, $33 million to move from New England to the Raiders. Juju Smith-Schuster cashed in three years, $25.5 million. Robert Woods, God, he'll be playing until the year 2074. Two years, $15.25 million. Here in Buffalo, Deontay Hardy, two years, $13.5 million, formerly Deontay Harris. Uh, it really wasn't a strong market, so Jacksonville was smart on that front. So who is this year's Jacksonville? Who's the team that can talk themselves into realistic contention? So if you, if you can make that, that leap, right, if you believe you have a team that can't compete, a division title, get into the playoffs, maybe do a little damage, and then really set yourself up for the next year, kind of like what Jacksonville did this season. Then, yeah, you you, you spend. You don't look back. You don't make apologies. The team this year, I give them so much credit for realizing it and then acting upon it, was the Carolina Panthers. Because the Panthers, you know, they went 7-10 and in that watered-down NFC South Let's start there. Let's start with what Carolina did last season because, remember, they fired their head coach, Matt Rule, in the middle of the season. Steve Wilkes takes over. The players respond to him, especially defensively, him being a defensive coach. So Carolina at one point was 1-5, at another point 2-7, and seven, another point 3-8. They win 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 of their last 8, finish 5-3. and three. I think the manner in which they won some of these games was impressive. And really the games they lost were close. They absolutely uh, demolished the red hot Detroit Lions. I mean, what an outlier of a game. The Lions are going on a crazy winning streak. And Carolina just goes ahead almost 37 to 23. Remember Dan Campbell meeting Steve Wilkes at, at midfield after the game saying, man, you, you just kicked our ass. Um, he, he wasn't lying. Look at the numbers. Carolina's defense absolutely shuts down 
Detroit's rushing attack where, you know, I'm doing the quick math, their running backs, Swift, Jamal Williams, and Justin Jackson, they combined for 12 carries for 22 yards. And on the flip side, Carolina ran wild, 320 rushing yards on the team, 43 attempts, three touchdowns. So that just kind of tells you, like, the, for the lack of a better term, the blood and guts available bookstores near you the blood and guts of this team itself like the interior the offensive line the defensive line that defense it's sound i mean carolina they've got some young pieces to work with um you know they've just been on this carousel of quarterbacks non-stop with pj walker and cam newton last year to sam darnold baker mayfield this year they just have had no stability and they've lacked a bright offensive mind. I think we all should have seen this coming when Ben McAdoo was your offensive coordinator. And I could be wrong, but I believe he was in the media briefly between jobs and publicly said that he didn't really like Baker Mayfield. And that's the quarterback you acquired. I mean, these arranged marriages, they never really work out for one reason or another. So yeah, they're off passing game, especially not good, but you hire Frank Reich. And he wasn't the problem in Indianapolis. You're you're recycling these aging vets. You know, who is behind some of these signings? We don't really know. I, I think that he's rightfully so universally regarded one of the bright offensive coaches in the sport. So you add him as your head coach. Take a look at the staff of the Carolina Panthers. I mean, this is this is a loaded staff. And you, you know, it's it, it's one of those things I really do believe we overlook at times when a new coach comes in, okay, like bring in this coach, got good pedigree, got a good resume, did this with an offense or did that with a defense. Even Sean McDermott's first staff in Buffalo was weak. Honestly, it really wasn't that good. A lot of those coaches are gone, rightfully so. Uh, Carolina, I, I think right, right away it's impressive when you've got – Giro Vero, a defensive coordinator who just worked wonders in Denver, uh, in a catastrophic, uh, sorry excuse of an offense with Hackett and Russell Wilson just giving you nothing. And that defense still found a way to keep games close, hold teams to a touchdown, you know, hey, 10 points. I mean, they, they played above themselves. And now he takes over what was already a solid defense. Hello, Dom Capers. Dom Capers, a man who was the team's first head coach ever in 1995, won a Super Bowl with Green Bay. You, know, you go back to the Blitzburg days before that. I mean, let's face it, Dom Capers is going to be coaching until an asteroid smashes into Earth and, and forces no football to be played. I, I really do think Dom Capers will be the last football human being standing uh, when it comes to, you know, humanity in general. So he's there, and he knows a thing or two. And D'Angelo Hall, you know, one of the better DBs in recent memory. He's an assistant DBs coach, but even on the offensive side of the ball, just uh, Thomas Brown's see James Campen coached a really good Green Bay offensive line. Josh McGowan as quarterback's coach. You won't find one human being who will say a bad word about Josh McGowan. There's a reason that Houston was even considering him as a head coach with right no coaching experience. He's your QB's coach. Love that. And Deuce Staley, you heard Jamal Williams on this happy hour just beam when his name came up. He's not only coaching running backs, he's the assistant head coach. So 
a lot to love. I think you've got smart people with their eyeballs on all of these quarterbacks. So, right, that's that's the big move they made. And they gave up a ton to get that first overall pick. It did not come cheap. But they had to make a move. They had to be aggressive. I mean, you're talking four draft picks and DJ Moore. That's the number nine overall pick this year, the number 61 pick this year, a 2024 first rounder, a 2025 second rounder, and your number one wide receiver, DJ Moore, who you absolutely did not want it to part with. That had to have been tough. This is a proven top 10 wide receiver. Carolina had to do it. They had to do it. I mean, you don't want to get caught on that hamster wheel of, you know, another veteran, what, Jacoby Brissett, Jimmy Garoppolo, running it back with Sam Darnold, staying at nine, and hoping somebody falls, and then nobody falls, and then you're reaching for somebody in the second. I, this was smart for both teams. Carolina had to be aggressive. They had to get that number one pick. Now they could take Bryce Young. They could take C.J. Stroud. Hell, I mean, if they really believe in Anthony Richardson and think it's worth bringing him along slowly, I guess he's an option too. Whoever they decide, they have smart people making that decision. I, you know, Scott Bitter was there with the Seattle Seahawks a number of years. He he knows what it takes to build a football team. He's your general manager. Dan Morgan as assistant general manager, obviously one of the best linebackers of, of his day, but he was here in Buffalo. I mean, he saw the process that went into – choosing Josh Allen over Josh Rosen. And a decision like that is not made at the bar with your buddies. And and Brandon B kind of detailed it a little bit of the combine again this year on, you know, it took the Wyoming visit. It took uh, one of your in-house visits, combine. It was a lot that went into that decision. And now you've got some really smart personnel men, coaches all having a say in Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or somebody else. I love it, and that's that that trade right there is what gives you the confidence to then go spend, right? Then use that money that you have at your disposal to build a team, right? Build, build a team. Go for it. You know you have a good defense. They showed it late last season. You know, this isn't a pathetic bunch that just, you know, staggered to two or three wins. The Panthers – they had some promising moments in, in what could have easily been a lost season. And I love these signings. We mentioned Von Bell earlier. He still has prime years left in his career. A hard hitter who also has enough athleticism to kind of move versus all these passing attacks. I mean, he saw it in the AFC. He was a huge factor in, in all of their success against Patrick Mahomes. You know, I go back to that AFC championship game a couple of years ago watch Von Bell. You get him at three years, 22.5 million. Andy Dalton, it's pretty clear you're bringing him in as a backup. You can do a lot worse than Andy Dalton as your backup. I'll toss you there with five million a year. Hayden Hurst, we mentioned the, the hurt and tight end market. I, I think to get a Hayden Hurst at three years, 21.75 million, that's a steal. You know, he, he had the play of the game against Buffalo, arguably the play of the game, you know, leaping over a defender to really ice that game in the second half. Julian Love, two years, twelve million. Man, what a signing! Uh, I watch every time I had a Giants game on. I feel like Julian Love was making a play that just changed the momentum of that game. Yeah, that's that's a smart signing. Adam Thielen, 
he can he's still dependable he doesn't have the speed that he once did you know when he basically shocked the nfl world from thinking he's going to sell dental equipment to getting a try with the vikings to hang out on the practice squad to finally getting his role um so called 70 balls last season 716 yards six touchdowns if nothing else he's a reliable red zone guy i think for a young quarterback you want a veteran receiver out there that you can throw to and the, the signing that, you know, is probably the best of them all is Miles Sanders. Four years, $25 million, was paid more than any back in the NFL. And, okay, you know what? Jeff Stoutland, that Philly offensive line, dominant. I, I, there, there, there's a reason that this, this running game just demolished everybody that they faced before Kansas City. When things didn't go that well. One of the best rushes in the NFL, but I, but I do think that Miles Sanders is is solid in his own right, and you always hesitate when you're paying a running back. That's a reasonable figure for a game breaker. I mean, this is somebody who can go the distance any given play. Ran for 1,200 yards last season, 11 touchdowns. Um, you can really kind of build your offense around Miles Sanders this year, next year, and then in year three. I mean, as you're hoping to take this big jump, if you're Carolina. Miles Sanders still has some really good football left in it. He's only 25 years old coming off of that career season. So love it. I really do. I, I think that the Carolina Panthers mean business and they are the, I hesitate to say favorite in the NFC South because I think Derek Carr changes New Orleans. They're returning, you know, a lot of bets on defense that are hanging on, but still really good. Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, Juwan Johnston, Jamal Williams, Alvin Kamara, all that. Yeah, I'm a car believer, as you probably remember, but I, I think the Saints are probably the favorite in that division, but Carolina's right there. Carolina, with a young quarterback, has a very, very bright future, and this is why you make a big swing. I mean, hey, go big or go home. You can't just muddle around and suffer from an identity crisis. Oh, do we – Stay at nine, and you know maybe we find an, a good offensive guard. Just, just wait at quarterback. No, I mean they clearly see something in someone, whether it's young, proud. Do it, do it. Have some conviction. You know, I go back to the 2017 draft, and at that time, there were a, more question marks and concerns over that quarterback class than conviction. Um, there's quiet conviction, obviously, in what Kansas City felt about Mahomes, what Sean Payton and the Saints felt about Mahomes. Um, but, you know, in retrospect, he should have been the first pick. He shouldn't have been close. There should have been somebody out there that was that aggressive and that sure. And just said, you know what? We've got this journeyman quarterback. We have this young quarterback who's up and up and down. Just take him. And there could be a player like that in this draft, for all we know. Carolina, well done. I like what they did in free agency. You look around, you know, and speaking of that trade, Chicago, man, um, I give Ryan Poles credit similar to Joe Shane where they didn't uh, draft or sign the quarterback that they have, yet they gave that quarterback a full year to evaluate their game, how they fit in with their coaching staff, their system. Daniel Jones, Brian Dayball have a really good thing working, so why would you just throw that away? I think to a much lesser extent, Luke Getty and, and Justin Fields have a really good thing going in Chicago. 
it's hard to really fault Fields for much last year, given the circumstances where it's a it's bad offensive line, it's a bad receiving core, the running games, eh. And you just got to go out there and, and be Superman every week. And there was a little stretch there where he was Superman. And I think that little stretch in the middle of the season is why you go acquire DJ Moore, get him a stud receiver. And, you know, it's at the cost of moving down from number one. But if you're not going to draft a quarterback and you have needs all over the place, you've got to do what the Bears did. What I don't like is four years, $72 million to trade at this. And we, we, we discussed him with Monas. He brings a lot that does go unappreciated as a cover linebacker with his size, able to kind of take away passing passing lanes. You know, he'd be really good at Jim Bay. Those arms. You know what? There's just not a, a, an impact player. Um, you know, for his skill set and his uh, dimensions, you don't get a lot of big plays, and you certainly don't get a lot of production in big games. Chicago won't be playing in big games anytime soon. I'm sure he'll be fine, but he's not going to be worth that contract. Uh, I think in the NFC North, you know, Chicago still is a ways off. They'll finish last. Uh, Detroit, I'd probably look at them as the front runner. What they did in free agency, um, Jordan Love, he's going to have Green Bay right there. Obviously, he is the answer for the Green Bay Packers. Minnesota is a tricky team. You know, they went for it last year. They won the division. They won a lot of close games. That stuff matters. Yet they did have to say goodbye to a lot of players just to make the cap work. I mean, Eric Hendricks, Adam Thielen, uh, Cameron Dantzler. Obviously, they're making – got to make a call on Dalvin Cook. I mean, you, you've got a lot of really good players that are making a lot of money. We're going to talk to Matthew Pollard about the Vikings here on the podcast soon. You know, to bring in Byron Murphy at corner is good. Resign Garrett Bradbury, Marcus Davenport, one year, thirteen million. I mean, there's a pass rusher at a premium rate, a team friendly rate. I think they're, they're going to be in the same position that they really were last year, where it's almost like a competitive rebuild, where they don't want to screw themselves over cap wise by pushing money down the down the road with some of these veterans. Darius Smith is another player that they've got to figure out. He's underpaid and wants more money. Ask for a trade, uh, but you don't want to just blow it up. So you're going to, in theory, compete with Kirk Cousins this season. Wouldn't be surprised if Minnesota drafted, you know, what handed Hooker, Tennessee, somebody like that, sit him for a year and hope he's ready. Very interesting team in this draft, Minnesota. But I, I would probably, the pecking order at the top of my head in that division, I'd go Detroit slightly over Green Bay, Minnesota, and then Chicago way down. And let's just wrap it up with Detroit because this was even losing one of your your culture foundational pieces in Jamal Williams because you wanted to pay out for David Montgomery. Uh, all these moves make so much sense. I mean, Pam Sutton at corner, three years, $33 million. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, what a steal for $8 million. Emmanuel Mosley at corner. You might see a theme here, right? A lot of DBs at some really good prices. They're they're going to be fine, and then they've, they've got two first round picks. They're going to be able to get two more starters there. Jared Goff, you can win with Jared Goff with the way that they play that offensive line, that running game, setting up the play action, that receiving core. Like what Detroit's heading. All right, well, let us know what you think about free agency. You know, there weren't really those players signed. Everybody all, you know, worked up. But I think that when you really break it down, there were teams that were good that might have 
been great this past week. Carolina, Detroit, two teams to uh, to detract through the draft. And you know, we, we got into the last episode with the Buffalo Bills. I, I like those signings a lot you know, in terms of Trent Shurfield, Tiante Hardy, Damian Harris. Uh, now they just have to go draft receiver. Keep loading up. Thank you so much for making this podcast part of your life. Share, rate, review. That's how we keep this thing growing. We really appreciate you doing what you can to spread the word on Go along with Dun & Monus, the podcast, and most importantly, golongtd.com, our website. Thank you to all of our paid subscribers. We'll catch you next time.